0: Thanks for tuning in to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan with Adobe. For those of you that are new to the pod, we explore the world of product marketing through the lens of the women who run it at some of the fastest growing technology companies in the world. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. You're losing 30% of your deals to your competitors. Not cool. That competitive revenue gap is costing your business millions of dollars. So how do you tip the scale in your favor? Clue's competitive enablement platform makes it simple for product marketers and compete pros to give their revenue teams the exact right intel at the exact right time. Positioning, messaging, objection handling, and FUD, Clue shares real-time competitive insights in the places your reps already live. and makes it easy for them to contribute insights from the field. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Women in Product Marketing. I'm your host, Mary Sheehan with Adobe. Today, I'm thrilled to interview Jane Reynolds, the Director of Product Marketing at OKCupid. Jane has risen the ranks at the dating site for the past six years from Senior Marketing Manager to Director. And before that, she had another career as a writer and editor for several top destinations, including Oyster.com, Guilt City, and Allure. Welcome to the show, Jane. So great to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, let's kick off with our season five question. Could you share a time where you failed at something and what did you learn from it?
1: I found that I've generally been most disappointed when I haven't taken risks on things that are timely. So an example is when I first started working at OkCupid and product marketing, there were always these like hotbed issues that we saw our users really cared about but I was hesitant to get OkCupid involved or speak on it or do any product features around it. And I found that when other dating apps did, it was great for them. They got a lot of press, users were excited. So now we really have started diving into the issues our users care about. And it's really one of our tent poles here at OkCupid. So one great example of something that probably early in my career I would not have done. But in 2021, right after Roe versus Wade was overturned, we released an I'm Pro Choice profile badge because we saw a huge increase in our users writing in their profile I'm Pro Choice, swipe left if you're not, all those things. And so we just wanted to make it even easier and more clear for our users to connect on those issues. And also just had a great response, got a lot of press around it. We saw an increase in users and certainly the users that had that badge got a lot more likes and matches
0: than those who didn't. That's so great. Wow. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like the fundamental values that you're coming to the table with, you want them expressed and you're probably seeking those in a partner, but I can see the hesitation at first. It's like, oh, should we go there? Is that our place? But I love that you took the user feedback and the actual user behavior and you know looked at the competitive landscape too and said, hey, this is something we really need to lean into. I was wrong. <laughs> we need to go and move <laughs> forward with this. And now that it's been so successful for you, that's a really great story.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I will say too, just partnering with the right people on those things is important. I felt a lot of security with that example because we worked with Planned Parenthood on it. So they gave us the guidance around how do we talk about this? What's important? We put our money where our mouth is, you know, we gave a donation to Planned Parenthood. So I think if you pair with experts in the space, it can make you feel a lot more confident
0: in the decisions you're making. That's so wonderful. I love that you did that and went the extra mile. It's not just lip service. It's really just about, you know, making the right choice and partnering those that can make an impact too. That's really cool. Well, I've been so excited to talk to you. We were saying in the pre-show, I've never interviewed anyone on the show that's been from a dating site and I have so many questions, but let's first talk about just your role at OkCupid. What do you do as the director of PMM?
1: Yeah, so I sit on the marketing team, but I work super closely with the product team and kind of act like the bridge between the two. I see my job as just making sure that any product feature we release, any piece of the product, whether that's the messaging, the language, the UX, is really being true to our brand and what we stand for and I've really come to love it. You know, I've been there for six and a half years now. I always say it's my most successful relationship thus far (laughs) is with OkCupid, but I really love it. And I find that OkCupid, we have a good bit of flexibility where our engineering team is really awesome and can roll things out very quickly. If we do want to like respond to something timely, like the Planned Parenthood pro-choice example. So just working with the team on the features and, the, you know, just value that we can provide to our users, what feature is going to make their dating experience, no matter what they're looking for, whether they're looking for a serious relationship, whether they're looking for something more casual, but really support them and make them feel confident in the decisions that they're making and the people that they're meeting.
0: That's so wonderful. And I know it's been successful for so many people that I know. I have some friends that are really happily married, have two kids that met on OkCupid a few years ago. So I'm just really thrilled at what you're doing. And that's right. I mean, there's different times in your life where you're looking for different things where I'm happy you are supporting all those different paths. And I understand you're a user as well. And you were telling me that a lot of the employees have actually joined because they have found success on it too. So what an awesome full circle moment to have that there. It's great. (laughs)
1: Well, I think I have plenty of tips. Don't use generally, we say no sunglasses in your profile photo. I really recommend that people just relax with the whole process because it can be stressful. And, you know, you feel like you're putting a lot out there, but just being true to yourself. I find that people really respond to well. Avoid those sunglass photos avoid spelling mistakes. We've actually found Hmm. that profiles with, that are riddled with spelling mistakes actually get fewer matches and messages. So, and I think that's just a reflection of when people are looking for a genuine, deeper connection, they're looking for someone who's put in the effort to show themselves in a genuine and the best light possible. So I think that that spelling part kind of plays into that And OkCupid in general gets slightly more high intent users because we're known for our matching questions. We have thousands of questions on the app that users match over, but you have to answer 15 questions just to create your profile. And we use those matching questions to feed our algorithm and find people that you're compatible with. But we've actually found our average user answers 58 questions. People really love these questions wow. and like to engage and they're good conversation starters. So if you're not quite sure, you know, what to say to someone, you can look and see which questions you answered the same and you can ask them more about that. So maybe you both said that you like scary movies, which actually that question is a pretty high indicator of compatibility. Wow. And so, you know, did they see scream? Did they see Megan?
0: That's so cool. I'm imagining like me being a total nerd, like printing that out and bringing that to a date <laughs> like, let's yeah. talk about this <laughs> no, it makes it fun and kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off. That's so fun. Even though I've been happily married for seven years, maybe my husband and I should just take that test to see how compatible we are. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> yeah. I'll send you our most popular questions. They're fun. That's so awesome. Great. Well, it's been really clear to me that you are a data focused product marketer and obviously working at a very data focused company. Can you give a few more examples of how you've used data to influence future product development?
1: Yeah. So when we see trends coming out in the market, whether that's just from social media or something we've read about or what our users are talking about in their profiles. We can go to our question system, which is again, that powers our algorithm and we can drop in new questions to really confirm or shut down the suspicions that we have around what our users might want. And the great thing is because we have so many users and they're so interested in our questions, we can drop in a question and get thousands of responses in 12 hours. So that's really a good gut check on is something that we're interested in putting in the product you know something that we'll, our users will respond to. We also, of course, with our product features, do a lot of testing around it. So who is this appealing to? Who is it working for? How do the adoption rates around something work? And a lot of times it matches up with our inclinations, but a lot of times it doesn't. And I th- think also one important thing that we found is really getting granular with the data. And so seeing what cohorts respond to this in a certain way, because it might be that a feature is really great for women, or it's really great for
0: LGBTQ users, but it might not be for others. So who do we offer what? That's really exciting. I mean, it's amazing you get that kind of user response to from a poll or any kind of question and that you're able to take that and implemented and really have, you know, an ongoing improvement cycle to all of your features. I'm sure they really appreciate that too. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how data is actually, how it's become part of your career. I know that before working at OkCupid, you were a writer and an editor. How did you actually move to that more data-focused mindset? Or did you already include that in your writing and editing process? Was that a big shift for you?
1: I certainly use Looker a lot more than I ever did as a writer and use various platforms to check on the analytics and just status of our monthly active users, daily active users, et cetera. But I do think that product marketing is actually like a beautiful blend of that You know, creative storytelling that comes with journalism and the data piece that we work on from a product marketing perspective. And I do think that with journalism, it was about the data, right? You're collecting the facts and the information and the resources that you need for your story. So this is very similar, but it's more, you know, you're collecting that data and information in order to work with the product team on what the next feature is that you're going to bring forward to your users and also how you tell your users that story. So, you know, the messaging around it as well.
0: Yeah, I'd love to dig into that a little bit more. I love how you've kind of just amplified what you did before, though. That's a really great connection point of it. You're just using it a little bit more. You're tying it together with that art and science of making that narrative. I think that's actually one of the hardest parts to learn as a product marketer if you don't have that storytelling capability. So that must have been a really great connection point. And then kind of adding some more data and analytics and all those skills on top. That's awesome. And yeah, speaking of messaging and positioning, I love to know a little bit more how that connects the dots. You know, you were talking a little bit about cohorts, women prefer a certain feature, how it's become part of your career. I'd love to dig into that more.
1: I find customization so important. Especially for a product that's so personal. Mm -hmm. You know, we really want to talk to our daters like a friend because who do you go to for advice on dating? We are friends and family for the most part. And those are the people that you really trust. And we want, as the person who is kind of making that setup, as the app that's making that setup, we want to be something that you trust and can really relate to one thing I think is super important that we do with our messaging is just, we do a lot of A-B testing. So not only is that in the actual language that we use when we're talking to you about something, but also even like the time of day, you know, when does it make sense for this user to get this information? It's probably not first thing in the morning when you're getting ready for work, you know, it's, kind of guessing when would be the appropriate time, but then being able to use the data that we actually get from that guess of, was that the right time to talk to someone about something and give them that information? Even rolling up kind of the notifications as well. So if you're someone who's getting a lot of likes, which is a great feeling, right? But it could be overwhelming depending on how many you're getting. So making sure that we kind of, ease that process. And if you are getting a lot of likes, we'll wait and let you know you've gotten X number of likes at the end of the day versus constantly pinging you. Because again, dating is so personal and people feel differently about dating day to day. So it's really important to kind of follow the user journey, know where they are and be able to customize their experience based on that.
0: That's so interesting. I never really thought about the cohort or the segmentation based on sort of number of likes or interests someone's getting but that makes a total sense because it can be like a filtering game or you're just really looking forward to getting the next like or the next notification kind of depending do you have automatic settings for a lot of these things or is it something that people customize with you along the way in, in their dating journey it's
1: largely automated Based on our system of recognizing where they are in the user journey. Users can, of course, turn on and off notifications and we have those segmented. So if you only want to know about X, but you don't want to know about Y, you can customize that, which I think is like really important. And of course, the users have the flexibility to change that. And also, if you haven't been active in the product for a little while, we let you know we're going to start hiding your profile. And that's a combination of number one, both kind of giving that person the space. Okay, you haven't been active for a little while. Let's let you take a step back and come back when you're ready. But also improving the experience for other people who might come across your profile. You know, if I like someone and they haven't been active in a while, then the chances of them liking me in the near future is lower than it would be if they were active. You have to think about both sides of the matching experience and making sure that everyone feels good and positive about it. And the reverse of getting a lot of likes, You know, if you aren't getting a lot of likes, we can kind of customize the experience based on that and give you tips like, oh, you're not getting a ton of likes. You only have two photos. You can add up to six. Why don't you add more photos to kind of show more about your lifestyle? Or you haven't really actually filled out a lot of your profile. That's important and people like to see that. So all those things are kind of things that we can customize again, like throughout the user journey and based on their activity level
0: and attention level. That's so interesting. Wow. I never really thought about it as in that way either. There's like super daters and then there's people that aren't really using the product as much of so just like any consumer category or really any B2B category. There's going to be your power users and those that, you know, are learning the experience too. And they need a tool tip experience. You're not only teaching them how to use your platform better, but you're maybe actually giving them more tips about dating and interacting too. So that's really cool. Doing amazing and things. It
1: also really matters market to market as well, because India is a country that we hadn't really done any marketing in until a few years ago. And dating in India is very different than it's dating in the US. You know, it's new, especially using a dating app. And so we found that daters there may need a little bit more guidance and tips, something that you might take for granted knowing now. And in the U.S. of where to meet someone and how to be safe about your information, things like that are things that you really want to outline for a user in a different market. And of course, those are all things that when you join OkCupid, we want to make sure all of our users all over the world have all the information they need about being safe. But we found that the experience, depending on where you're
0: located, whether that's different country or whether that's city versus rural can make a big difference as well. Wow. That's so interesting. I mean, just thinking about how quickly India has caught up to internet penetration. I was there about 10, 12 years ago and the internet penetration was like 7%. And now it's like, you know, in the seventies, I believe. So just even thinking about how quickly they have had to learn all, everything and all the different marketplace apps, and then overlay that with a dating culture that might be different. That is a really big cultural challenge. That's really cool that you guys are thinking about it specifically, and then thinking about safety and all of those other things that you want to make sure have that global purview too. and never had really considered that. That's super interesting. Well, great. So interesting. I could pick your brain all day on this. I do want to get to some of the AMA questions that you recently did highlighting product marketing skills. Who doesn't want to learn more about that? So (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to kick off with a skill that I think all of us could really learn more from, which is what should I do when I don't think that the feedback from my boss is correct? And how do I approach that? So this isn't just a PMM skill. This is sort of like a life skill or a management skill in general. I would love to hear your thoughts.
1: Yeah. I think when you get feedback like that, it's just important to know where that feedback is coming from. You know, I think You can really find a lot more alignment when you understand how they got there. So my recommendation with something like that is just asking for specific examples, asking how they got there and expressing the desire to be on the same page. Because even if you disagree, when you're working with someone, you want to find that common ground. And I think it's just important to, in order to have a cohesive team and cohesive experience with your boss and making sure that you're aligned, just showing that proactive spirit too of creating regular check-ins. So if you're finding that you are getting feedback that you don't really understand doing the work of saying, okay, let's check in regularly, you know, once a week, whatever it may be, even if it's for 15 minutes, because I think sometimes the confusion can happen when there've been longer periods of time of not sharing what you're working on and having those more frequent check-ins with your boss or with a colleague on your priorities.
0: That's really good advice. Yeah. I think that asking for clarification, getting specific examples, not necessarily just being defensive about it right off the bat, but, you know, seeing where they're coming from, getting that context and then having kind of a plan, like you're saying, obviously right. the feedback isn't just coming from nowhere. So how do you start documenting the work that you are doing to progress towards it? Or if you really don't agree, how do you have a conversation about? that and what you can do to change that perception at least. So of that approach. Awesome. What about the classic question around what should we focus on? So how important are brand marketing skills for product marketers compared to analytical skills? I have some thoughts on this, but I'd love to hear your take. Yeah. I would
1: love to hear yours as well, because I do think it depends on the role, honestly, but for me, I found that, you know, I rely on data analytics to drive those decisions. But again, it kind of relates back to this storytelling piece. And at the end of the day, my priority is ensuring that our product lives up to our brand narrative and mission, and we maintain that brand integrity. So I see it ultimately as a product marketer's job is to ensure that there's synergy between the product and the brand, and. I find a lot of times, you know, the brand skills are those skills that are creative and storytelling and, you know, a little more out of the box, whereas the analytical skills are the strategic, et cetera. So I think depending on where your strong suit lies, it's important to focus on the other to make sure you know that you're covering. The things that are important on one side. So, really diving into the other, I find that I've felt my background aligns a little bit more on the brand side. And I'm grateful that I did have that background. But I think it's just like marrying the two. And if you're stronger in one than the other, having a team that balances you well.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing, which, is I don't think is a cop-out. I think it's a real answer that you need to have both of those things actually. And if you yeah. don't know one of them well, you need to know how to either hire the people that are going to know that or be able to build really strong partnerships with teams that can really help you, like with the brand team, or if you're lucky enough to have like a data and analytics team, but marrying both together to tell a story is really important.
1: I do feel like product marketing is about, being that bridge. Like I often find that I am the bridge between the marketing team and the product team. So, you know, being able to kind of have one foot on either side is helpful.
0: Yeah, I was in a recent interesting session called The Path to CMO. And they really outlined that you need brand, product marketing and demand gen, which you I think you could say is closely related to that data and analytical skills in order to be a great CMO. But it's okay if you lead with one of them and you have a real superpower, you just need to know about the other ones to be able to fake it till you make it for three months. <laughs> if you have yeah. no one else, you've got to fake it for the three months and then you're golden. But so getting to that point where you I can- like, I like that rule of thumb. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you hold your own in a meeting about brand for three months without anyone noticing or calling you out. So, right. Great. great. Okay. So, here's another question from the AMA We're standing up a new competitive intelligence function at my current company. What do you consider must haves?
1: First off, I think I said in the AMA, I'm like, congratulations. That's exciting and we will certainly serve the team well. I like to think broadly and then I go narrow. So, I think, you know, when you're, setting up any new function, but certainly competitive intelligence, just thinking broadly about, even when you're thinking about your competitors, right? It's like, don't just think within the space because oftentimes the brands that are doing really cool work aren't even necessarily in your space. I often am looking to see what Duolingo is doing, for example, because they're just doing such an amazing job with their growth. And they're about language. We're obviously a dating app, but there's certainly synergy there. And also, I think, of course, analysis is key. So, and even more importantly around that analysis, transparency around that analysis is really important. So being sure that you have the tools in place so that analysis and what you're seeing is easily accessible for all stakeholders. And even some of those stakeholders who maybe aren't as, you know, analytically inclined, making sure that you're getting the information out that people need in an accessible way. And then again, I do think it's important to make sure that like this function is well aligned with the product side and the marketing side, because these are the teams that ultimately will help bring your learnings to life. So letting them know about the analysis they are most excited about. So you can really add the pieces together and figure, figure out how it can really benefit the broader teams
0: and company. Well said. And I love that you're talking about thinking outside of just the category that you're into. I feel like a lot of times we can be just a really like inside baseball about like, Oh, what is our like next competitor doing? Or what are some things we're doing internally that we've done before? You need to think about things broader than that. And I love the examples that you have too. I feel like in any marketing interview you get, by the way, someone's going to ask like, what are the brands or products you really love? And it can't just be like that. Right. So it's just like bring the future and keep through that too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I like to start high level. We can get nitty gritty as we go in, but starting high level, I feel like it helps just kind of set the stage and makes you feel like you've covered all of your bases.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Keep with the insider
0: baseball theme we're going with. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. Well, great. Well, Jane, this has been so fun. I can't believe it, but it's already time for our rapid fire questions. So here we go. Love to hear who have been your biggest mentors along the way.
1: Yeah, so OKCupid is actually part of Match Group. And so I have plenty of mentors within the company especially at Tinder, I found that really talking to the other teams and collaborating with them and seeing what's you know worked for them and what hasn't has been really useful. Also, someone to mention specifically, Zoe Black, who's VP of Product Marketing at Vimeo. Mm-hmm. OkCupid was part of IAC, as was Vimeo. And when we shared an office space, I found that she was a great mentor. Again, it's almost potentially more helpful that she was in a different space working on a different product, but was able to really give me guidance on product rollout and strategy and also working with other teams and getting the buy-in you need. So she was a really great mentor.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah. I love that you've kept up and it was, you know, people outside of the exact industry that you're in. Sometimes they can just help you see it. It's like same challenges, but different flavors. So they can help you see through that. What about networking? Do you like doing it? Do you do it? What's your approach?
1: I really enjoy it. I like, going to conferences. Now that they have started again, it's so exciting. So I recently went to South by Southwest, which was a great way to meet with other product marketers and marketers in general. Actually, yesterday I was at the GDI Global Insights Conference in New York City. And I've just found that being able to connect with people and like-minded people in the space in person is a really great opportunity. But, you know, I also have colleagues who use LinkedIn a lot. There are just so many resources now. And I think that that is hugely helpful. And I really find that I've never had my best work if it wasn't something that I bounced off ideas with other people, right? So I think that having people that you can go to, and again, no one's an expert on every piece of product marketing. So knowing your strong suits, knowing where you're a little bit weaker is such a strength because then you can find the people who are experts in the things that you want to hone your skills in. And then you can really, you know, go to them and get great guidance.
0: That's great. Plus one to South by Southwest. Let's meet up there next year. Put it. Put it on. Yes. The calendar.
1: yes. It was topic. so much fun. It was great.
0: That's so awesome. I used to go like every year, but I'm taking a little bit of a break, but I'll be there next year. But okay, also- okay. people are fired up to be at conferences post COVID. Like I've been to a couple of <laughs> conferences recently. People <laughs> are just stoked to be there in a way I never saw before. And it's really cool. They want to go learn and they want to go be with people. And they're not like oh another conference with a free pen. It's like, yes, like I am here and this is exciting. So it's like this new energy that I've noticed going to conferences. Oh yeah. I mean,
1: people like I've never seen any, anyone more excited to like grab a stress ball. It's like any like little gadget people love, but then also just that meeting in person. I've attended virtual conferences, which of course have their benefits, but I have found that meeting with people in person. And again, to your point, people are just so excited, which brings this whole new energy.
0: Yes. It's so amazing. That's great. The stress ball. That's hilarious. Um, All right. Just a couple more for you. Why product marketing?
1: I find that product marketing allows for such a great blend of that creative and analytical, you know, we've talked about it a lot today, but I think it's so true. And I also really love that for product marketing especially at a dating app and you know working on the communications with our users and our product features I have such a direct line to our daters and can really communicate with them and they can communicate with me like via the data and I'm able to you know see what's working for them and what's not that's really what I love about it and again The collaborative nature of it too, being able to work cross-functionally with basically every team at OkCupid is a great benefit because again, I'm just exposed to so much more. I'm learning so much about the product, honestly,
0: every day. And that's one thing I really love about it. That's so wonderful. Well, glad you found your way here from writing to editing to product marketing. sounds like you're crushing it. So just love that you found this career fit that is impacting so many lives in such a positive way too. Yeah. And last question for you, where can our audience get in touch with you?
1: You can find me on LinkedIn, Jane Reynolds. That's where I'm most active. Also feel free to email me, jane at okcupid.com. Okay Very simple. It's your normal Jane. There's no Y, J-A-N-E. And yeah, I would
0: love for people to reach out to me. Both avenues would be great. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Jane, so much for sharing all of your knowledge today. I'm really excited to have you on the show and just thanks so much. Thank you. This show is produced by Sherbert the knowledge sharing platform for the fastest growing teams. It's the place to get on-demand answers to your questions and learn from leaders in the top of their field. Want more advice and insights? Head to sharebird.com.